Welcome to the Well Grand Rapids message of the week. We hope you're encouraged, strengthened, and experience the presence of God through this message by Max Johnson. Full disclosure, I get nervous when God gets this close. <clears throat> hey, this is my wife. Hey, babe. I love you. Can we just stand up for a minute? Let's just let's just acknowledge Holy Spirit and say we love you. We really really like you. You know, it's, Jesus said it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And I want us to just slow down. If I had a, I'll let you sit down in a second, but if I had a title, I'd say don't rush for this message. And I want us to learn as a community how to just sit with God and let him do whatever he's doing. I mean, he's perf- you're, you are perfectly holy. You are powerful. You're an all-consuming fire. And you scare the hell out of me. And I love you for it, Jesus. It's a fear that just pulls us closer. So God, would you teach us how to sit with you how to be with you in a deeper way. Amen. You know, when, when I scare my kids, because I do it a lot, I, uh, are they all out of here? Ours, I mean. So there's some of them, when I play with them, and I like, um, <laughs> um you know, I growl and I, I turn into a lion or whatever. Some of them, as soon as I do it, they will turn and sprint to me. And they'll grab my leg. There's a couple of them. When I do it, they run away. And I know I don't have their heart yet. Because they're actually afraid. They want distance in between the big bad guy and, and them. And it's fun and they, you know, it's playful. It's not real fear, otherwise I wouldn't do it to them. Um, but the ones that know my heart, they run right to me. The fear of the Lord actually drives us to him. It pulls us closer. It's never anything that keeps us from him or makes you turn away or drop your eyes. It's something that when you see him in power and glory and majesty and you know he's crazy about you, it is a magnet to your soul. So I feel like God wants to teach us how to not be in a hurry. I, um, I had no idea what was in my heart to share until yesterday. We did um, pumpkin carving at my house. I did, I led pumpkin carving with six children by myself in my kitchen. 
I gave one of them a knife. <laughs> Mom wasn't home, so it was fine. And, but it was honestly, it was easy. I think I'm here to give you peace. I don't know how it'll happen, but I want to impart peace so badly. I am drunk in peace. I'm telling you, it's a real tangible experience. I've had it. It's been about six or seven weeks, and it isn't constant anymore. I'm learning. I'm trying not to make it about a feeling because the gospel is bigger than my feelings. Who cares? Even if I feel anxious, Jesus died for me and was raised from the dead and put his Holy Ghost in me. But there's something new and fresh that I am tangibly experiencing and I'm learning how to partner with it and I'm learning how, what happens when it leaves, what actually causes it to leave or maybe to make me not aware of it is maybe better language. And um, so anyways, I'm, we're doing pumpkins and it's, it's just easy, it's full of peace and, and uh, we dragged the we dragged the dining room table out into the living room and we, Caden and Beckham put cardboard all over the tile floor so we'd try to keep it cleanish. And um, Aurora, my oldest niece, walks into the room and she goes, whoa, it's like we're in a new house. And how many of you have heard God talk through something other than the Bible? Like you hear it on the radio or in a song or a friend says something or an unbeliever, you know, mentioned something in passing and you're like, that was the Lord, man. That, like, they said it, but my, that was my dad. So when she said, it's like we're in a new house, I went, that's God. And I said, I have no idea what you're saying. And so I've, I've been praying about it. And I, I started to kind of go back to some of the last message that I, I was preaching about the wilderness versus the promised land. And I was so... Um, uh, concerned isn't it um, burdened isn't it I really want us all to come I don't know what word to say but I started to feel like in the past I think I've had a tendency to get a hold or to a sense of what God's doing and I will run 200 miles an hour to get it. And I don't care who doesn't come because I want Jesus. Um, but something different, it's not that I don't care about other people, it's something new hit me when I was sitting with the Lord where I really felt his heart. He wants us all to come. This isn't something where a few get to inherit, breakthrough, and you know, be seen with those with faith. It's like his heart is for everybody. He, and, and I am okay not rushing if it means we all go together. And so I was revisiting some of what I was hearing and sharing about promised land versus wilderness. And it's like we're in a new house. And I started to imagine what would it be like for Israel to actually cross the Jordan? Like, Put yourself in their shoes. Imagine you're, you're in a company. There's about two million people. You just walked across a river miraculously on dry ground. Other than the food that shows up every morning and your clothes still haven't worn out and there's ravens that bring you meat sometimes. 
<laughs> and the literal fire of God <laughs> and the pillar, at, you know, in the day. And um, the river is the first miracle you've seen that is new to you. It's fresh and you're, you're, you cross over and now you're in the promised land. Like this is it. You're, you're not kind of in it. You're not going to the promised land. You're not in transition. You're not almost there. You are 100% standing in the promised land. And you know everything you can see is yours. What would that feel like? And then I started to daydream about what would it be like if you found out your great-grandpa was a multi-billionaire and owned an estate in Europe. And you get the letter in the mail from the law office and they say, guess what? Grandpa, whatever. What's, what's a Harry Potter name is what I want to say. It's Dumbledore. Grandpa Dumbledore. <laughs> Grandpa Dumbledore, uh, you never met him, but he was, he was a multi-billionaire and he left you his inheritance. It's yours. It's not kind of yours. It's not going to be yours. You own it. It's, it's in your name. It's legally yours. And I was thinking, wouldn't you pay a price to go see it? Like, wouldn't you sell your home because you needed airfare to get to Europe? If you're single, wouldn't you maybe leave your relationships? I mean, even if you're married, you bring your family with you, but wouldn't you leave like some of what you know, what's safe and secure to go somewhere? (laughs) But it wouldn't really feel like a price, right? Because you know where you're going is actually greater than what you're leaving. To me, that's the parable of the, the pearl of great price. Like, it's like, a, it's like a man who found a field with a pearl and he went and sold all that he had and bought the field. And we think of that as like, this is a great discipline. It's great sacrifice. It's going to cost you. And the reality is there was a pearl that was worth way more than what he sold. And this is what we've inherited. This is the kingdom of heaven that we've been given. So it's like we're in a new house. And I started to daydream about what it would be like. How would I live if I had just crossed the river? The first thought I had was I would probably stay close to my people. I wouldn't go off on my own because you know there's giants in the land. Like you're very aware everything you see you own, but it's not occupied by you. It actually says that God didn't give Israel the entire land all at once, lest it be overrun by the beasts, be overtaken by lions and bears or whatever the animals are. So he gave it to them a little bit at a time until Israel grew to capacity to actually steward what they had inherited. Like, there's a reason that you own it all, but you don't have it all yet. It's his goodness. So I would stay close to my people. I wouldn't go off on my own. I wouldn't, like, live outside of community. I'm not going to go pitch my tent at five miles from my friends. Because I don't want to (laughs) die. And my heart breaks for believers that are isolated, that are alone, 
I mean, I know you're all in the room, so well done. But tell your friends. <laughs> you, you can't inherit the kingdom alone. Israel went to war over and over to take the promised land. They went to war and it was lots of people fighting together. The other thought I had was I'd build a homestead. I'd, I'd build a house. I'd build a shelter and I'd, I'd have a place to raise family. A, bla- a place that could actually, a structure that could accumulate resources. That could allow me to multiply. Because in order to inherit the land, you're going to need more people. That's why... Only some of it was given. I hope this is making sense. You guys are really quiet. (laughs) I would build a homestead to raise family, accumulate resources, and provide protection. And the third thought I had was I I would incentivize those that had a heart to expand the bounds of the kingdom. And I don't know what that means, to be honest. But I would build structures that, that promoted people that had great faith. So when I start having fireside conversations with the guys and gals that are annoyed that we're still hanging out at the homestead and they're saying stuff like, didn't God give us this whole thing? Why are we hanging out on Sunday every week? Why aren't we going to the jails? What are we doing? I would start to promote them. I would, I would funnel resources. I would start to say, you want to take some land? Let's take some land, dude. Jesus gave it all to us. And he's given you a heart. I see grace and faith on your life. He's given you a heart to take something. So let's do it. And I believe that we're inheriting a model that we're not supposed to be in a hurry to get out of. Like this is a long work that God has invited us into. And I want us all to come. So I want us to not be in a hurry. I, um, let me see here. I'm going to read you a prophetic word that uh, Dutch Sheets shared. Is anybody aware with Given 15? So he read a prophetic word from a woman named Gina Golston who he called a, um, a trusted voice. I don't know Gina, but I... I I do trust Dutch. I have never heard a word that felt more for us than this word in my life. It's it's sobering, it's scary, it's exciting, it's joyful. Um, But I want to read you a word, and then I want to read with you an experience that the disciples had with Jesus, where he told them to slow down, and then I want us to leave here not in a hurry. Full of faith. Because if, if there's anything that I've learned, it's, there is an anxiety that comes from lack, but there's a greater opportunity for anxiety that comes from increase. Because when you have lack and you're anxious, when the provision comes, you already know where it goes. Like, you already know what to do with it. You're, you're constantly meeting deficits. But when you start to get multiplied and suddenly there are, oppor- there are too many opportunities available for you. There's too many potentials. There's too, it's, I mean, it's not, it is money, but it's not just money. 
It's like I am overflowing with peace and joy and contentment and power and money and relationships and opportunities. And so I have no idea what I'm supposed to do because I'm still a human being that can't do everything. So the opportunity to trust and rely on the voice of the Lord is actually more needed in abundance than it is in lack. And this is where we're going. So I'm going to read this word to you. Who is it that I see coming out of the wilderness, leaning upon her beloved? Song of Solomon 8, verse 5. Gina says, I heard the answer to the question. It is the remnant warriors in Michigan who have not forgotten me and they have not forgotten my promises. They have set me and my word as a seal upon their hearts and they have not relinquished their faith in me. Now I am leading them out of the wilderness place. Their path is becoming brighter clearly revealed as in the brightness of the noonday sun. Then I saw the name Michigan, and other words being added, they formed a sentence. Michigan will see me again. I then heard the Lord say, I am coming in power to visit this land. I am releasing even now through my awakened body a flow of unstoppable power that will set things in motion to reveal and uncover, then revive and recover. Then I saw the entire state of Michigan, and the Lord showed me in its center, water is bubbling up out of the ground. These waters looked like a geyser, ready to erupt. He said there was a swell of an underground current rising up out of this land, and it will burst forth and form into a wave of justice that will impact the nation. For those of you that don't know, well, the well is called Wellspring. It's the actual name, like the legal 501c3 name, which sounds like a geyser. My roar will be heard from this land. Then he showed me a wave that would be built from the geyser. This wave had a face of a lion and the wave was cresting. I could hear a mighty roar coming from the wave. And the Lord said, where are you? Where you were once muzzled, I am giving you back your voice. I am making you my mouthpiece, which is one of the first prophetic words that Apostle Kathy was given. When she was called into ministry. Do you understand that when words are given to leadership, it's for everybody? This is for us. And out of you, I will release my sound, my roar, like the sound of many waters, and it will reverberate throughout the nation. The Lord then reminded me of a word he gave me on February 9th of 2020. It was as if he was saying it again, this time over Michigan. My power is twirling. It is an unstoppable spin breaking the surface in order to relieve the pressure from the swell of my manifested glory. She says it was a swell in the sense of a collection of waves that formed one long, massive, continuous swell. She continues prophesying, Reformation is pushing forth, says the Lord. The die has been cast and cannot be stopped. The geyser is ready to be released. What has been concealed will now be revealed. Watch it gust forth and release the pressure of the swell, revealing the river of my prevailing glory. Then I saw Michigan on a map. However, I didn't see it as the shape of a mitten, she says. I saw it as a boxing glove. And the Lord said, I'm about to deliver a knockout blow from this state. It is an unexpected and fatal blow to a major agenda that has been at work in this nation. My intercessors have been lacing up the glove with their prayers, obedience, and intercession. Now I will, I will put my hand in the glove and I will strike the blow. This is God talking. 
From this upper state, I will deliver a shocking uppercut and the giant will fall. So five years ago, we had a guy walk into our old building when not during a service, midweek, Tuesday, he walked into the building wearing boxing gloves, took a couple punches, and left. God's weird. The odds are high that was an angel. Then, then we got a prophetic word days later that something awesome happened. We went to Barbie Yoder's in Ann Arbor, and um, I got a prophetic word that said, he said, you are in a boxing ring. And he said, like your last name, Ali, get it? Muhammad Ali, okay. He said, I see God coming with you, and I see a KO, a knockout punch to the enemy. And that's exactly what that prophetic word says. You don't have some random dude walk in and do a boom, boom with boxing gloves and then just leave, and that this is not somehow all tied together. I'm telling you, get ready. Get ready. I don't know if you guys can see me down here. I'm going to say, there's a couple more things. I'm, I'm super preoccupied because I'm hearing so much in the spirit right now. But she keeps tying her shoe laces. And it happened yesterday too. She's like, oh shoot, it's untied. And it reminds me of the time that that happened to us. He never, his shoes never come untied. He slips them on, he slips them off. They kept coming untied. And I said, God, what is this? And he said, I'm saying, loose them and let them go. And then I heard him say, it's not only that, but when he went and he needed that donkey, he said, you just tell them that I have need of it. Loose it and let it go. And I'm telling you, God is doing something so significant. He's saying, look, I'm telling the enemy right now, loose them and let them go. Because we're about to, to encounter such a full on. Like this right here, because it's not super structured. Like, you know, it's like, oh, we didn't announce that. We didn't announce that. Get used to it. Because what he's trying to say is I'm taking authority back from, to my church. And it's, it's just going to look different. And we got to be okay with looking different. It's just like what he said. He said, let's not be in a hurry to get somewhere because we might not even know where we're going. And that's exactly what happened when Joshua were taking the Israelites over to the other side. He said, stand right here. Don't say anything because you haven't been where I'm about to take you. We have not been where God's about to take us. Whew. In Mark, in Mark verse 6, Mark chapter 6, verse 7, he called the 12 to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. He commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He also said to them, in whatever place you enter, stay there till you depart from that place, and whoever will not receive you, nor hear you when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So they went out and preached that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. 
skip down to uh, after, I think it's after the John the Baptist story, still chapter 6, verse 30. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing and many knew him and ran there from on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a multitude and was moved with compassion because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Let's get this over with so we can be ready and back to our rest. This is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, are we supposed to go buy food? We only have 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat. Jesus calls his 12 to him and anoints him, sends him out and says, look, you guys have learned from me. It's your turn. You're going to go do the stuff. Say I'm anointed. You're going to go do the stuff. You are going to be interrupted by your king. You are going to be interrupted by the Holy Spirit resting upon you. Peace is not for you to sit on your couch. It says the prince of peace will soon crush Satan under his feet. Peace is actually one of our greatest weapons of warfare. It is a Gatling gun in the spirit. With the presence of peace, you're actually not in a hurry and you hear what your father needs to say. You're constantly available. So they go out and they start doing stuff they've never done before. It says that they're casting demons out, they're anointing with oil, they're healing the sick, and they come back to Jesus fired up. I mean, I'm picturing it's a bonfire conversation. Dude, you sent us out, you told us to do the stuff. That guy opened seven blind eyes. That dude didn't even have a leg. And then Peter prayed for him. He got a leg back. This guy was covered in leprosy. Uh, John cast out 72 demons. We stopped counting after 72. It was crazy. And I mean, can you picture young men with the guy that they look at as a father figure and they just slayed some giants? I mean, they're young men. They're, They're like teenagers, some of them. You've seen them when they get jacked up. They're like, I'm picturing a hysterical kind of like, (laughs) I don't want to scare you guys because I was about to do my scream, but they're freaking out. And Jesus's response is, that's awesome. Let's go chill together. You guys need to slow down a little bit. Because you know, those of us that have, you've, you've touched the anointing, you know what it does to you. It's called, Isaiah calls it a spirit of might. I'm not talking about it like the whole, I'm talking about the anointing, the presence of the Holy Spirit resting upon you. You feel like you can lift cars and you want to. You're like looking for something to kill. (laughs) Something. That's what I look for anyway. (laughs) Or somebody to serve or money to give away or... (laughs) (laughs) 
Whatever your gift is. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about though? Like you come into the greatest breakthrough of your life and you get so fired up, you get preoccupied with the breakthrough or with what happened and you, you get into anxiety or stress or striving to keep that thing going. It's the hardest thing about the greatest breakthrough of your life is you try to repeat it. It's a method. I know how that happened. So you try the method again and you find out it has nothing to do with the method. It has everything to do with the person of the Holy Spirit. The method is irrelevant. And that's what I feel like God wants us to say yes to. Don't get in a hurry. Don't strive. Don't think we know where we're going because the honest truth is we have no idea what we're doing. I'm trying so hard to not prophesy over you two and I can't hold it in. I, I 100% believe there is a tenfold increase coming to your life and it's not only finances. I see it multiplying in your relationships. I see it multiplying in your family. I see it multiplying in, in, in multiple business ventures. Your children are gonna come into a, a, a measure of breakthrough and grace you have not dreamed about. It's something you've never asked God for. You don't even know how to ask God for the favor and the blessing that is about to hit your life. And the Lord wants you to know, don't get in a hurry when it comes. There is a reason that he taught us through COVID, which is the prophetic word. The other one from years ago, I heard. Apostle Kathy gave a prophetic word six years ago. And part of it was COVID and how the Lord was going to use it to teach and mold the church. And if there's anything that we inherited through COVID, it was rest. There's a reason he taught us that when he taught us it. And I believe he's asking us to increase that. Like, double down on it. So I want to talk about what the, I think that looks like, and then I, I think I'm done. Don't get in a hurry. Busy is the greatest enemy of revival. Rest is not the absence of activity. It's the absence of self-effort. When I talk about rest and peace, I'm not talking about lethargy or apathy or video games. I'm talking about walking through life with no striving, constantly aware of God upon you, God with you, God in you, and being okay with sometimes that means nothing's happening. Like I'm just with him because I really like to be with him. I'm not with him so the sick get healed. I'm not with him so people will get saved. I'm not with him so that you get inspired. But that happens, but that's not why I'm with him. That's not actually why I enjoy him. It's called fruit. And you become like a tree planted by living water and season after season you bear fruit and you're not even trying. It's the gospel life. I read a, I listened to a podcast about a book called High Performance Athlete, Peak Performance is what the book's called, if anybody's interested. And it was a man who went around and he interviewed um, high-performing athletes, like Olympians and whatever else, from that physical things. You know, he interviewed people that did stuff people have never done before, like broken the, the five-minute mile. Has anybody broke the four-minute mile? Those people, the guys that climbed the, the rock face for the first time with no ropes, whatever, you know, the 17-time Olympian. And he, he interviewed hundreds of them. And what I remember from the podcast was what he found they all had in common was their relationship to trainers. 
and how it differs from the general public. And then I'm going to pray. Peak performance athletes, so the general public, when you think of a trainer, like a physical trainer, you think of somebody that's there to motivate you. You know, you're doing, you're benching and they're shouting at you, two more, you can do it. You know, run faster, jump higher. And they're there to press you on to do what you haven't done before or to hold you accountable, to call you and say, dude, get up. It's Thursday, we're supposed to be here at five. And so that's what trainers do for the general public. Peak performance athletes have a completely different relationship with trainers. The trainer's role in an, Olympi- in an Olympian, their role is actually to teach them and to command them when and how to rest. When to not run that extra 20 miles because you know you can and you feel like you want to, but you shouldn't. Because we have a regiment, we have a schedule, we have a plan. Their relationship with trainers is actually to restrain them. I believe that that is a picture of one of the roles of the Holy Spirit in our life. The enemy of revival is not lethargy, it's busyness. Lethargy is the fruit of people that aren't encountering God. If you feel broke down, wore out, tired, no motivation, no inspiration, no creativity, you need to connect with God. You need to meet with him one-on-one. Once you've met with him, lethargy doesn't make any sense to you. All you want to do is freight train, run through brick walls, and build businesses, and preach, and lay hands on everybody you see. And so for a people like you in the room that are encountering God, the Holy Spirit's role is, is to restrain power. It's called meekness. How to actually rest and not be in a hurry. So if this is connecting with you, if you feel like you can say, I know what he's talking about, because I feel like I'm still trying to get it out, but um, you want peace. I actually want to pray for an impartation of peace. Would you stand? Holy Ghost, we love you. And we know that unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. God, we want to be a people that help to build your house, but are aware that it's you building it. We want to be a people that don't pick up any pressure, any weight that's ill-fitting, a yoke that's not from you, Jesus. We want to remain in the easy and light yoke. Not because it's comfortable, not because it... It's easier and more fun, but because it's your way and it's your will for us. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, I release a spirit of peace upon this community. I release it over your businesses that you would wake up in the morning inspired to do what's in your heart to do instead of trying to catch up with all the needs that need to be met. I release peace over your families that you would let go of control over your children and what they are or aren't doing and and let them be who they are and partner with what God is doing in their life. Partner with the work of the Spirit of God in their hearts. Over your spouse, over your friends, over your family, over your parents, over the strangers, God, that all of the gifts that you have given us, 
the charisma gifts of God that we carry, that we would learn to partner with you in peace. And God, I thank you for your promise that godliness with contentment brings much gain. And I thank you, we thank you for the increase that we see coming. We thank you for your presence. God, I don't know how to I don't know how to just say thank you that you want to give us this kingdom. I don't even know what to say to that, but thank you. And Lord, I do pray that that everything that flows to us would 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 just bring you glory. It would lift you higher. I prophesy salvations, healings, miracles, signs and wonders that just testify that Jesus Christ is alive. In Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you were impacted by this message. For more information about The Well Grand Rapids, please visit our website at www.thewellgr.com.